0: you're doing hello from deep cuts to
1: future classics On location and behind the scenes somewhere between reasonable and crazy
0: it was no more complicated than that Let's skip intro and find out what to watch on Netflix. Coming up,
2: you have to also be saying something. I feel like being provocative for the sake of it, not for me. I was getting messages from
0: like
3: strangers saying that they liked it, but also worryingly, people sort of almost taking it as a serious manifesto. <laughs> and I was like, it is a sketch.
1: <laughs> I've got a garden and I haven't got a dog or kids, so I'm having a wonderful time. I believe we met. What's your name?
0: I'm Dotty, and welcome to what to watch on Netflix. During lockdown, some things have trudged along slower than a phone call with a mortgage advisor, while others have flown by in the blink of an eye. This run of What to Watch on Netflix, for example. Despite it surely only starting about 10 days ago, here we are at the end of another run. We've somehow managed to cover what I've calculated as 68.4% of all Netflix shows ever made in just seven episodes. This means that in this final eighth episode, we've got a whopping 31.6% to smash. Not going to be a problem, though. This week is all about something we could do with more of at the moment. Laughs. (laughs) Probably the most subjective genre on our screens, comedy takes many forms. What makes one person wet their undercrackers and gasp for air may well leave everyone else in the room completely cold. Whether it's a stand-up special from a comedy icon, a rerun of six very white, very smug New Yorkers in a coffee shop, or an absurd take on what heaven is really like, making people smile is one of Netflix's most requested actions. So let's get some jokes. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. What's up, guys? How are you? Thank you. you. Thank you guys so much. Let's do this. First up on this week's metaphorical sofa is someone not afraid of ruffling feathers and winding up moany politicians, celebrities, important people, and Piers Morgan. From her musical comedy roots through to the wildly successful MASH report, Rachel Paris knows just how to kill with kindness, with everyone laughing at the same time. Hello, Rachel. Hello, mate. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. Very excited to be talking about TV,
3: which is my entire life.
0: Now, seeing as it's the last episode of the season, I've decided to have a little bit of a cabinet reshuffle. Jamie, the producer, has been demoted to transcribing the entire Studio Ghibli archive into Welsh. And Gina Moore Barrett who you know usually pops up at the end of the show armed with recommendations, has now been bumped up to queen of the world and is here for the whole damn show. Gina.
2: It's what I deserve. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited just, to be here.
0: <laughs> just, we've been putting you through your paces. Everything up to this moment has been a it's rehearsal. Been an audition for sure. And you passed. Yes. So... Welcome to the main stage. Thank you, I'm so excited. Thanks. And our final guest is a man who is to UK TV what milk is to cereal. All over it, mate. From his early attempts at new Metal, he rose through the ranks of stand-up comedy before dropping it like a hot stone as soon as TV came calling. From casualty and skins right the way through to runner-up on I'm a Celeb and now The Masked Singer, what to watch on Netflix is delighted to welcome someone as fond of a sequin tuxedo as he is an arm tattoo. It's Joel Domit. Hello,
1: hello! What a wonderful intro. I think I'll I'll get you to reread that at my funeral.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm available for work. Let's let's <laughs> let's, let's be honest. You know, <laughs> who hasn't been furloughed? So I'm available for funerals, holy communions, <laughs> bar mitzvahs
1: just <laughs> all of the above
0: how is everyone though in the midst of a pandemic
1: good yeah I mean I know you're not supposed to say good but good um, it's been it's been it's been fine uh, I've got a garden and I haven't got a dog or kids so I'm having a wonderful time well I mean, I feel really bad, but I've <laughs> yeah, got. I feel I'm so I'm sorry. I'm sorry for living such a chill life.
0: <laughs> is it like? Is it a garden or a? Garden? It's actually it's Did actually you know a I mean? pretty
1: small garden, but then that's a good thing.
0: Can you play rounders yeah. out there?
1: It's Has it got grass in, in it. Yeah, I mean, I could literally show it to you now. That's the the wonder of Zoom calls. Um, but I'm not sure it works so <laughs> well on a podcast.
3: It will just upset us, John. Oh, yeah. Yeah, show it to I,
1: us. I'm honestly, it's. Uh, yeah, I know that you're supposed to be like, oh, you know. Um, I just, at this time, has been really difficult mentally. I've been very up and down. Just, you know, the things that make me, you know, sort of help me get through as sort of the wonderful heroes of the NHS and just, uh, it's sad, but in reality, I'm having the best time of my life.
3: (laughs) I hear what you say. In In reality, you hate the NHS.
0: Oh, look at, look. Uh, the privilege is just dripping <laughs> off you, isn't it? Oh god! Oh yeah! I've got my land and my white privilege.
1: I'm great. doll. I'm, I'm glad, man. Seriously, no. though. Someone's you so much got to
2: <laughs> too late. Too slow. It's way too late for that. No, you have already done yeah. your impression, yeah, mate. Damn it. Uh,
0: Rachel, Joel hasn't got a care in the world. Um, how's lockdown been for you? Clearly. It's
3: been, it's been fine. It has been, every, you know, that sort of piss take sentence that he just said, like, that is how I feel. <laughs> it has been up and down. Um, but it's, it's been all right. We've got um, two teenagers in the house uh, doing their own thing. They're at school. So at least I'm not at school, you know. It's better than being at school, like as in online school. Um, We haven't really got a garden, but we've got a space outside the front of our house, which we sit in, which really freaks the neighbours out. We sit in like deck chairs. It's nearly a pavement. pavement? It's a few inches away from the pavement. It's it's just in front of our window. (laughs) There's about like half a metre where you can sit where the sun hits you. And um, we sit there in like, shorts in front of the bins to catch the
1: sun.
0: <laughs> Joel's like, can't relate. We've also. Can't relate
1: that. Sorry. Hey, come over my house. We're having an absolutely wonderful time over here. We've also got a
3: chameleon, <laughs> which I think we offer. We get the chameleon out to sit with us in the deck chairs. And I think it really adds to the, the white trash element of what's what? going on there.
0: Uh, you see, there's been, a, there's been something's been lost in translation. It's the comedy episode. <laughs> we wanted comedians. <laughs> mm somebody's we fucked it that. somebody no. tell you we wanted chameleons <laughs> oh, damn it season three we'll call you up for the animal special Gina hello, hello. darling
2: how have you been yeah, yeah I'm still alive that's the main thing isn't it really still still alive uh, <laughs> oh, got a chameleon right. got a no, garden okay. got a garden but have the worst neighbours on earth who only play Whoa. they're just oh no and they oh, is it Joel <laughs> It's not not Joel. (laughs) It's not Joel. Um, Yeah. So staying at home hasn't been great just because they only ever play really loud music and it's only ever dance hall or Bashment music. Just
1: every single day. Are you sure you don't live next to me? Because that sounds very like me. That's totally my vibe. Oh, I love it. it. And there's nothing I love more. Love a bit of Bashment.
0: I don't know what it is.
1: (laughs) Flashman is like reggae dancehall. It's It's genuinely great, actually. It's It's so good. That's
0: for another podcast. We'll introduce you to dancehall, Rachel. Please, please. It's a whole other series. Uh, Guys, the reason I've got you together is to talk all things comedy. So where do we start? How do you define great comedy? What do you think it takes to be considered a great comedian? Have you got like a God tier comedian someone that you say this is the epitome of comedy
1: well it's kind of difficult to sort of define in an odd way because uh, everyone likes different things so everyone laughs at different different genres and so that's why there's such a wide variety of comedians it's uh, otherwise we'd all be the same we'd, all, we'd probably all be Jerry Seinfeld because like he appeals to such a wonderful broad range of people super funny absolutely brilliant but there's also these tiny subsections of really odd people. And that's, what's beautiful about Netflix is that it's brought these little oddities to the entire world. And in reality, they wouldn't really get that, that sort of network to be able to, to, to have so many people see their work. Like, you know, Rory Scovel and, like, James Acaster even. Like, like James is, like, a good friend of mine. He's odd, man. He is odd, so odd. And the fact that his wonderful comedy can get seen by so many people is just, like, is so brilliant now.
0: Oh, please. plug, plug, plug. Beautifully done. Uh, Gina, Joel makes a great point about how abundant comedy is and therefore how difficult it is to kind of pinpoint what makes great comedy. Is there like a God-tier comedian for you, though? Somebody that you think takes the crown for your taste in comedy. Mine is Eddie Murphy, you see. I think he is top-tier, can do it all. Stand-up, animated comedy, uh, and can do like situational comedy. Who would you say is that comedian for you? That top tier, ticks all your boxes comedian? That's
2: quite, oh, that is a really hard question. You know what the difficulty is? I don't have, It. I feel like that, oh, you need to give an answer of somebody who's been in the comedy scene for a really long time. But I don't, my favourite comedian isn't somebody that's been in the industry for a really long time. So I find it really hard to, especially for my taste at the moment, the person I am at the moment, I don't, I find it hard who to say
0: Who is it? Share, share. It's okay. We won't judge you if they've just been around for eighteen
1: months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who is this newcomer that you love so much? Yeah, he doesn't have
2: a special Netflix, but he has been in a Netflix show. It's Shibuki Young White. Do you know who that is? No. Okay, I'm introducing. You know how I am when I come with the Who is introducing? This is why.
0: This is why Gina is key to this podcast. All about right? Introducing us to things we weren't
2: aware of. Talk to us, Gina. Who's this? Jabuki Young-White is, oh my gosh, I think he's about, he's, he's young, he's like 25, I just think he's one of the best newcomers, I've, I just love him so much, his comedy is so hilarious and he's got that really good, um, he he just, li- because he lives on the internet and so much of his jokes and the pop culture and the things, he has this really interesting take on things that happen from sort of like that millennial perspective that I think is hilarious and I went to see him maybe like six months ago and I've, I laughed so much, I had a stitch, it was so, so... So, so funny. He's really, really talented. And he has a cameo in the film Someone Great that was on Netflix. Um, so if you've seen that and the guy that sells him the weed and is on uh, a skateboard, that no, a hoverboard, that's him. He's really funny. And he's a writer on Big Mouth. That's Shibuki. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see,
0: look at that. the came with his whole IMDb like
2: yeah I'm, I'm a That's massive, massive, massive massive <laughs> massive <laughs> massive, <laughs> massive <laughs> mouth as well like he's so so talented so talented I would love for him to have a Netflix special is
3: he American or British he's American or something else or something
2: else oh yeah <laughs> no he's <laughs> is he
0: one of is it the only two things you can be <laughs> <laughs> is <it>? he <laughs> no he's Not Israeli from France. Yeah.
2: he's
0: Israeli Rachel
2: alright
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe so, it let's he so
2: realistic it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he, he does happen to be American uh, his family's also Jamaican, which is where my family's from, so I'm slightly biased there, but yeah, really great. And he writes
3: for Big Mouth. I, big Mouth is one of my like big Netflix
2: picks. Yes, I love it so, so much. Honestly, please look at like so he's funny. so great. I'm acting as if he's my mate, we, he doesn't know I exist. I just think I just want him to be really famous. I think he's really great.
3: That's Chiboogie. <laughs>
1: that's Chiboogie. <laughs> <That's Chibuki. laughs> oh, if that's not the name of his Netflix special, <laughs> then.
0: he's missed the trick, hasn't he? Where is everybody so obsessed
1: with boobs would you guys like it if girls looked at your dicks all the time? That'd be awesome.
0: Oh. Nick's penis is comparable to that of a baby. Ah, why am I out? Rachel, who who makes you laugh until you've got a stitch? Who's who is that comedian for you? For me, like, I'm, and I'm surprised I'm saying this because generally I'm not a
3: huge fan of stand-up. Even though I'm a stand-up, um, I pref- I really love sketch and character stuff and sitcoms, and I and that's what I go to watch more instead of like stand-up special. Um, and sort of historically like, a hero of mine would probably be, like top tier would be like Victoria Wood because I love that she did the songs the characters that she finds I just think are so so funny and Acorn Antiques and Dinner Ladies and she made me laugh out loud so much her like character monologues. but at the moment John Mulaney has produced yeah. so many of my favourite things in terms of so Big Mouth which is Something that we watch as a whole family with like a 15 year old girl, a 17 year old boy, my husband and me, like all find something in that that is like really like piss yourself, laugh out loud, funny. And he's a kid glorious, we've watched over and over again. I just think it's the most beautiful stand up special. Um, and obviously, he was a writer on SNL. And then I don't know if you've heard too much tuner which is, I don't even know how to describe it. Is anyone, anyone too much tuner? No. <laughs>
1: no.
3: <laughs> so I can't believe It's such a big part of my life. Um, so it's uh, th- there is a, a special of it, I think, on Netflix, but I think it's called something else. So it's him and Nick Kroll dressed up as old men. Um, oh, yeah, that's amazing. It's so funny. It's amazing. And they've now got so a podcast funny. of it called Hello. Yeah. Oh, hello. And... It's just them being these two old men being very weird and they do interviews with celebrities where they serve them a sandwich with far, far too much tuna in. It sounds weird and it is, but it's very funny. It's
1: great, isn't it? The variety of his work is insane. Yeah,
3: he's incredible. It just
1: feels like he can just do whatever he wants and make it really funny. And he's
3: got better and better, like watching all his... All, all, there's quite yeah. a few bit, uh, different stand-up specials on Netflix aren't there of his and I think
1: which one's the Carnegie Hall yes. one so good
0: I think that's Kid Glorious the one with the
3: Trump routine yeah. the horse in the hospital
1: yes
0: this is so awkward for me having not seen it I'm just like sorry yeah. 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 So tell I'm me more like, let us awkwardly for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: but he's saying so, so you, you might you, no no carry on I just I could talk about it for hours it's just so funny
2: I am a Tony Award viewing actor. A
3: Netflix comedy special.
2: Theater is the hot new thing. There's Hamilton
0: and no other example. Oh, hello on Broadway. It's very Netflix. Rachel, you've you've touched on like some real different elements of what makes Comedy, great. So you get the assuming of a character. Um, you mentioned Victoria Wood as well. When you could be musically funny, uh, you could be funny in monologue. What What do you think are the kind of key ingredients? Because of course, you can't please everyone. What do you think you need to be though? Is it Is it being a bit weird? Is it being really great and observational? Is it pushing boundaries? What do you think you kind of need in in comedy, Joel?
1: I, I think I think it depends. Like whatever you want people to get out of it, like. Uh, there's an audience for everyone, I think, and um, one of my favorite specials that uh, of this on Netflix is su- is such a weird one. It's really weirdly quite old now. It's Chelsea Peretti's special. That's um, it's uh, it's called One of the Greats, and it's so funny. And Rachel, you, like, you were talking about, like different sketches and stuff like that. There's so many elements to it, and um, she like her shtick is that like she's got so much confidence, and it's just so so funny but it's also got that element of anti-comedy about it that is like when she'll sort of do jokes and then there'll be like a they'll cut to like a dog in the audience just like sort of eating or something and then they'll like she'll just do another joke and then there's silence in the audience and then it'll just go to this guy who's got a leaf blower and he's just like like blowing blowing leaves in the aisle of the audience in the theatre and stuff it's like really weird and it's so good
3: I don't like eating bananas in public. That is so stressful if you're a girl. It's so annoying because it's such a portable, good snack. Like, how do I de-dick this? What you do is you feel it, right? Then you break a piece up, right?
1: And like Maria Bamford's special that's that's filmed in a home is just like the weirdest thing you get. Like, what a mad idea. Maria Bamford's incredibly weird, but
2: I love it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on ever.
3: I love her. I saw Maria alive uh, in London at the Leicester Square Theatre when she came and I, she blew my mind. Like, I've never seen anyone with that style before. Mm. Like just so kooky, but not in a annoying pixie way, like yeah. just yeah. really out there.
0: <laughs> Gina, we've spoken a bit about Big Mouth and I think the reason why it was such a sort of a resounding success and why so many people love it is because if you've been through puberty... Mm you can you can find some hilarity in in big mouth do you think there needs to be a, a little bit of relatability in comedy i know for example ellen did a, a comedy special mm. and it got it got a lot of criticism cuz people were like oh i can't relate to ellen anymore mm. she th- her jokes are all about being like a, a multimillionaire and i can't relate to ellen mm. anymore um do you but think, that was do kind think, of the
1: joke of it, though, wasn't it? That was quite it, clear. In a weird way, that was what she was trying to do. She knew that was going to be the criticism that, that of That was it, her, so.
0: her angle. She kind of tried to, yeah. Yeah, um,
1: but, it, but it's so hard to do at that mm. point, isn't it? I don't know. I think,
0: yeah, I think it was, I, I get that it was uh, her intention, but I think um, a lot of people felt like maybe maybe stand up and that proximity to the audience doesn't work for an Ellen anymore because mm. it, it's, it feels like stand-up in particular feels like there needs to be some proximity there. Do you think comedy needs to be relatable?
2: I don't think it does, but the kind of comedy that I like the most is. Um, and I think you're 100% right about that. I hadn't thought about it like that, but you're right. The stand-up comedy for me is so great, especially when I see it live, is so great because not only do you have the physical proximity, but also the proximity and experience where it's like everybody can relate to... Um, that's what I love about observational comedy as well. Is like when they retell something that's happened to everyone, but with that razor precision that is like, oh my gosh, yeah, Yeah. that is actually this mundane thing that I do every day is actually hilarious because they've retold it that way. Um, So for me, yeah, relatability is really, really important. Or, yeah, or just committing to being really weird. But anything outside of that, um, it's not my bag. I mean, that's, but I, it doesn't have to be, but for me, it does.
1: Relatability can come in many forms, though. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like you can be Kevin Hart and be one of the richest, well, the richest comedian in the world, and still somehow he kind of makes it weirdly relatable to an everyday household and without it feeling um, too patronising, which I think is a real talent of his. I think he's really great.
3: Yeah, I think I think some comics use it, And it's what they rely on themselves for their style. But I think that not every comic has to have that. Like, I think some of my favourite comics, um, you know, like Hannah Gadsby, Billy Connolly, I don't don't share a lot of their experiences. I don't completely, you know, we haven't had the same experiences in life, but I find them hilarious and it's really, it makes it, it, the, the difference actually makes it, more funny and more interesting but then you've got like whereas what people like Michael McIntyre are doing and I think there's always room for that is really relatable stuff that like loads of people can go oh my god I've never thought that is me I've never thought about it that way but I think if everyone did completely 100% relatable comedy it would be quite a dry scene
1: (laughs) my um this is really funny I was um talking to someone he was doing a gig with McIntyre and um He's got this amazing routine. Like I love McIntyre. I think he's so good, so good. And um, he's got this amazing routine about wind, windscreen wipers. You know, that's the kind of thing that McIntyre does, like a 15-minute amazing routine on windscreen wipers. And in his routine, he, like, goes like this with his arms with the windscreen wipers. And, um, like, he's doing this whole routine of about these windscreen wipers. And then, like, someone turned to me, like one of the other comics goes, like, we all know that, like, only cars over, like, Eighty grand have like windscreen wipers that fold together <laughs> like that instead of big like that. <laughs> like he's like trying to be relatable, but he's kind of gone yeah. past it. <laughs> That's such a good spot. That's such that a good a spot, spot. spot by your
3: friend.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> do you think um, because because comedy is is kind of rooted in real experience? Do you think it's comedy's place to ask difficult questions um, and tackle prickly issues? Uh, a lot of comedy comedians steer clear of it. Some sort of dive right into it. What What do you think about comedy and contentious topics?
3: I think comedy is a good place for it because I think that it's one of the best ways to tackle contentious topics. Because I think you can you can talk about things a bit freer if you're making people laugh with it. If you're able to make it funny, um, but I don't think that there should should be an obligation on comedians. If that's not their that style, you know, I would hate yeah. to see uh Reeves and Mortimer <laughs> tackling <laughs> massive social issues of the day. That's not what I tune into them for. And I think that there's comics who are so good at that, and I think that's a really fantastic thing. And I, I, I think it's whatever suit because for me I, I like to as far as I can. Like I find it interesting to sort of tap into political, social things, but if that's not your Bag, if you're doing more surreal stuff, or even um, just more sort of day, sort of day-to-day stuff that isn't, I don't know, isn't as political. I, I think that's your prerogative. I don't think comedians should have to necessarily.
1: What do you think, Joel, of, of
0: contentious issues in comedy?
1: yeah i completely agree really it's it's basically if, if you do want to tackle those things or not it is quite an easy not an easy but it's it's quite a good way of sort of taking your career forward when that relatability falls off i think a lot of people then take the matter because you can't anymore talk about like oh you know we're on i'm on the bus it's then a a, better, a good way of sort of gathering your material is to sort of talk about the sort of contentious issues of the day but like I, I personally don't do it because it just doesn't it doesn't really sit well with my sort of style, and also I feel like I, 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 there's nothing that I say. I always feel like I probably I'd say the wrong thing. I'm just not good at it. It's like I'm really I'm super scared to like. I feel like I'm not intelligent enough for it. Basically,
0: do you, <laughs> I think? Yeah, we've we've kind of been speaking about those. Matters that feel a bit contentious or they feel like you're trying to uh, take on current affairs. Uh, America feels like it's got a really different relationship with comedy in that it's quite highly politicised a lot of the time. What, what was that like with the MASH report success, Rachel? Did you expect that success?
3: Or... Not at all. Yeah, a total surprise because, you know, this was just going out at 10 o'clock on BBC Two to a, a, quite a modest audience I believe the first few weeks were below the average viewing figures <laughs> but then it was the clips that went online that were kind of suddenly quite quite successful or sort of all well very successful all over the world and we started getting these you know millions and millions of of hits and it seemed to um yeah when we were when we were writing it like the team and and me like I think you You have an idea of what you're doing and you know it makes you laugh and you know it has a point to it. Like the sexual harassment one was certainly of its time and had a lot of jokes that felt right. But then when people in like really different places all over the world, like every continent, finding humour in that and finding a point in it is astonishing actually, like really, really surprising. And I was getting messages myself from like strangers like all over the place saying... That they like that they liked it, but also worryingly, people sort of almost taking it as a serious manifesto.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I was like, it is a
0: sketch. <laughs> is there anything that you think is out of bounds? I think we have probably all had that moment where a comedian makes a joke and you're like, oh, am I allowed to laugh at that? And it 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 feels like. Um, there, there, there is an area that only few dare to to touch. Do you think that's part of what being a comedian is? And you can touch on anything?
2: Well, look, I'm not a comedian, right? But <laughs> I think the thing is, I don't like, I don't really like comedy that makes me feel like I'm, any kind of comedy where it's like punching down or makes it feel like I'm laughing at other people I don't like. So offensive kind of where the thing is like they are a bit offensive and it that's not my bag but I think that's may just be because personally I come from like a sub a a demographic in which we've been mocked before so I'm I'm uncomfortable around the idea that that is going to be the kind of comedy so I kind of stay away from it yeah that's the genuine answer to that but um, there's a way to be provocative but you have to also be saying something I feel like and sometimes I feel like being provocative for the sake of it not for
1: me, not for me. For me, it's like, if it's dangerous comedy or it's pushing an envelope, if it's saying stuff that you perhaps shouldn't, I think the it means the jokes have to be better. Like yeah. It's like, there has to be a reason for it and there has I to agree. be... you there's There's no point in just sort of making any sort of random slurs against people without it sort of coming back to a point where, well, you know, you're just like, oh my God, that's so incredible. Like, it's like... It has to be better. If it's the more dangerous it is, it has to be better. I think. Yeah,
2: I think the bar's much higher.
1: I and that's why I don't do any dangerous comedy because I'm (laughs) not good enough.
2: (laughs) You made some good choices.
3: As you can say, I think it's important to know what laughs you're getting as well. Be aware of what your audience is laughing at, because there are comics that might think that, oh, I'm a championing free speech and the public love it. Like this is the re- the pe- The reason people are laughing is because I'm speaking the truth. And that's often not true. The reason people are laughing is because they're enjoying sharing in a particular, possibly outdated, possibly bigoted Opinion and people love that. You know, if they feel a bit uncomfortable with their values in normal life and then they come into a room and everyone's laughing around them and they're like, oh my god, I can laugh at this, then yeah, you'll get a laugh. Uh good for you. But I think n- know, know what laugh you're getting and
0: decide for yourself whether you want
3: to mm. own it. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. Yeah.
0: You make a great point there about outdated laughs. What do you think about um old comedy? There's been a lot of, of this in the news. Old comedy, uh, like 40 towers. Um, having episodes removed because the comedy of that time just doesn't sit in a 2020 more progressive uh, social landscape. Do you think old comedy that is offensive should be yanked off um, sort of streaming services or from from uh, box sets on on demand? or do you think it should just continue to exist as a reminder of how comedy used to
1: be? Joel oh throw it to me of course of course that is Bennett a good question dotty oh my god <laughs> fine give that one to the straight white you, male you, you plough um, away with this one joel <laughs> <With a garden. laughs> with the garden. um i think it's really it's a really interesting <laughs> subject at the moment and um i i think it's obviously just comedy changes and it adapts and and everything has changed from here from 20 years ago from 10 years ago from five years ago you know you're looking at like little britain sketches where you just look at it and you're like instead of getting a laugh off an outdated character just where you go ha, cool it's not worth the social injustice in the future and i think i'd rather have a more sort of a better future where everyone is more inclusive and equal i'd rather have that than something that's just like on TV that I can laugh at. It's like, it's like the balance of it, you know? And I think people that complain about it, fucking get over it. Like there's other issues at stake that are way more important than laughing at your favorite episode of Faulty Towers. Like, yeah, there's, there's other things at play and the other things are way more important than a laugh. It's basically the same as the statues thing. It's like, oh, why are you taking our statues? Like, why are you doing that? And you're like, get annoyed about something else. Get annoyed about the fact that there's inequality in the world, and we're trying to make that better. Why are you annoyed about a statue? Like, like that statue is not your family. That wasn't your property. That's not like in your garden. Fucking get over it, mate. Like there's other things to be annoyed about, personally. But I just uh, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong. Put me on the Mash Report immediately. <laughs>
0: they're not your family I like that I'm going to use that sorry you say your family is Winston Churchill your uncle mate
3: exactly (laughs) get over it get
1: over it man this (laughs) line
3: did you see even um, you know Colston in Bristol Mm. even his like great 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 grandson said uh, on Twitter um, well I'm the last of his line and I say go for
0: it put him in (laughs) the river (laughs) so (laughs) I'd love to get your Netflix recommendations and what I really want is a comedy recommendation from Netflix and something completely non-comedy that you've been loving. Um, so, Rachel, hit me. Okay. My comedy
3: recommendation is a disappointingly short series called Middleditch and Schwartz, um, which is two guys doing improv. And uh, much as you know, I'm loath champion straight white men, it's the only, is sort of the only pure improv that's up um, on nearly all TV, um, and as an improviser. Um,
1: it's for really
3: good. all the like the 15 years I've been doing improv, uh, all the improvisers I know go to TV commissioners in the UK and they're like, please put improv on TV. It's really funny. You don't need a weird, wacky format. They always make it into a weird, wacky format. You don't need a weird, wacky format. Just take the improvisers, put them in a theatre and let them do <laughs> what they do. And that's exactly what Middle Ditch and Schwartz has done. They've just taken two very, very experienced, very funny men and they've put them in a theatre for three nights and they've filmed it and that's all you need because that's all improv is and it's funniest when it's pure and let alone without any gimmicks at all and they're they're really good they're really good at it um, it reminds it's sort of this Very free, I think a lot of people are sort of like, in the UK people know Whose Line Is Anyway, you know, the game format where you get all these suggestions and you do a a song and you do props and everything, but they're doing what I'm more familiar with, which is simply you chat to the audience, to one audience member, you get three things from them, and then you go and you just tell a story for 45 minutes and it's so entertaining. It's really laugh out loud funny. Um, So that's my... Incredible. recommendation, improv.
1: I can't promise you that I can protect you. <laughs> from what's behind that door. Terrible things.
0: Things that will scar you forever. I'm sort of turning Werner Herzog now. Yeah. And what would be your non-comedy uh, program that you're absolutely
1: loving? On oh Netflix? my god!
0: Or do you only consume the comedy? <laughs> no, I watch. I watch so
3: much other stuff, and a lot of it is like. I hope it's okay to say this, Gina. A lot of it is like trash, but which I love. I I love it. <laughs> I've got, I won't have Selling Sunset as my like recommendation oh strong
2: mate. so oh good my
3: God. i can't wait for season three it's
2: so good i know the
3: say oh my gosh i'm so excited i'm like why are you together remain doesn't seem to have like a brain at all like and he's clearly awful don't marry him <laughs> anyway i really like um gumbo's just desserts oh strong <laughs> uh, it is zumbo right that's yeah. his name he's this like pastry chef who does these elaborate incredible desserts and i love that they've built the program to be as like acid trip colorful (laughs) as his desserts are so like the set the costumes and the personalities of the people they've chosen are so over the top they've got like people who's like people wearing things in their hair and bright dresses and jewels and like it's it's so fun, and I love washing the cakes being made. It makes me very hungry and makes me want to eat more sugar.
0: Comedy and desserts. You've told us all we yeah. need to know about you, Rachel. <laughs>
1: this is going to separate the dessert makers from the dessert fakers. I think he could have put in a bit more work because it doesn't taste very good.
0: Gina, I need a comedy recommendation from you, and you know this, this holds weight, Gina. Because we live by your recommendations, so what have you got for us?
2: If you want a little taster of different comedians, I would say I really like the comedy lineup. is really great, and there is I would especially recommend the first episode of season one. Is Michelle Buteau, who is hilarious, also has cameos in other Netflix uh, films like Someone Great, um, Always Be My Baby, etc. Her fifteen minutes is great. Also, Phil Wang. Yeah. he's really 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 funny I don't know what it this is something that to me it, when I watch his comedy it looks as if he is doing an impression of a comedian rather than it's, it's so funny like he's so uncomfortable but he's so hilarious oh I love him so much Um, so I would 100% recommend watching but all of them like yeah comedy lineup is very good one of many things that's really good
0: my comedy style in three words what Petrified. Electric.
1: Tall. I'm quite tall. Jewish Santa does heroin. Ah.
2: Sassy. Sorry. Adequate. Ignorant
1: yet aware.
2: Yeah! Boom. And non-comedy. Oh gosh. I mean, you, I... you have you have given us a lot. I have, I've given all I've given all I can give. Honestly. Um, Do you know what?
0: I think I, I'll excuse you a non-comedy this week. Thank you very because much. Because. I mean you've you've given us about 14 other things to watch in the past few weeks.
2: The hill I will die on is that everyone must watch BoJack Horseman. Uh not a new show, but just what just watch it. That's it. But that's the hill I'll die on. And that's what I'll I'll leave it there. Oh, is it this guy?
0: Oh my god, he's got a gun! Relax, it's a lighter. How much lighter fluid can I take on the plane? And before you answer, remember
1: I'm a celebrity. <laughs> And Joel, what would be your two recommendations to leave us with? i tell you what, I watched Nate Bargazzi. I think that's how you say his second name. I haven't laughed out loud like that in a really long time. And it just, it's like proper, simple, fun comedy. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. I tried to... Uh... I'm always, like, trying to lose weight. I had a thing that happened that I do, it was like, I got to get it together. I go to the trunk of my car, and I'm st- I take my shirt off, standing there, no shirt, and this old man walks up and goes, Olivia?
0: Can you hit us with a non-comedy recommendation before you go?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to say Selling Sunset.
0: Go on. Is it because it reminds <laughs> you of your own house? <laughs>
1: yes yeah. <laughs> yes it does oh poor <laughs> just a
3: documentary to you <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: it's so great oh I remember the time that I bought it from them the, um, basically we watched the first episode and we were like what is this rubbish what is this rubbish Same. second episode I was like Same. it's a little less rubbish I'm still watching it and then whole series in I'm just like so deep looking at all of their Instagram profiles like, oh that's the guy that she dates yeah oh absolutely same absolutely same you are all a boss joe with real estate you can't sit around and wait for the phone to ring you have to hustle i'm excited to get back to work i have a new man i have a new ring and i am ready to dominate the market
0: Guys, thank you <laughs> You're so man. much for your recommendations and for joining me on this, the final episode in season two of What to Watch on Netflix. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Um, you can now go off and enjoy your separate lives sit another season done and dusted thanks to all our guests over the past couple of months and thank you for listening what to watch on Netflix will be back soon with more recommendations but until then adios what to watch on Netflix is hosted by me Dottie and is written and produced by Jamie East editing and additional production comes from cup and nuzzle what are you watching on Netflix we'd love to know get in touch with us on Twitter at Netflix UK <laughs>